What's for dinner? What's for dinner? Mix and chop and put it in the pot and make it nice with herbs and spices. Oven baking, pepper shaking. Add a drizzle, make it sizzle. What's for dinner? What's for dinner? Hey, it's me, Flory. Welcome back to What's for Dinner. We're baking again this week, so it's dessert time. My favourite. We had such a great time with Tara Gartland last week, we decided to bring you another one of her amazing gluten-free bakes. Our trusty reporters, Sive and Rosa, are on hand again to get the scoop of just how to bake the perfect brown butter cakes. I mean, can we take a moment for just how amazing they sound? So... Last week, we were all about chocolate with Tara, but this week is much more about baking and learning some pretty nifty skills. This is a recipe that you will need to prepare the night before and bake the following day, or you can prep it in the morning and bake it in the evening. Before we join Sive and Rosa in Tara's kitchen, let's get our ingredients together and let's preheat the oven to 180 degrees. You will need 160 grams of egg whites. That's usually between six and eight eggs. 255 grams of demerara sugar, 85 grams of ground almonds, 70 grams of corn flour, 6 grams of sea salt, 170 grams of salted butter. And the first thing that Tara is going to do is explain how and why we turn the butter brown. We're going to do the brown butter first. And when you do brown butter, you always need a pot that is much bigger because the butter gets really foamy and big. So for this, it's 170 grams of butter. And I always use salted butter in all my recipes because salt makes everything taste good. (laughs) But you basically need the butter to go really nutty. So it's called browned butter. But in the recipe, it actually says burn noisette, which translates from French, hazelnut butter. Because when you brown butter, it caramelizes and it goes really nutty, nearly like hazelnuts. And that's why it has its name. How do you avoid burning butter? by keeping a very close eye on it and not walking away from it, which is a terrible tendency I have, which is to walk away from things unattended on the stove, which you should never do. I always do round butter with a whisk because you can touch the bottom, but the whisk is really good because instead of a spoon, you're not scraping. It's the same as like making scrambled eggs. You're trying to touch it all at the bottom of the pot. But yeah, this will like all melt and then it'll start to foam up and it'll maybe even come up as far as like three quarters of the way of the pot. So that's why you use a really big pot. What age were you when you first started getting interested in baking? So I have been baking for as long as I can remember. And I didn't really have a choice in the matter. I had two grandmas who were very talented bakers and cooks. I used to spend summers with my grandparents. And they both happened to live around here. So between the two houses I used to go. I used to bake with my grannies, make apple tarts, make mince pies, Christmas cakes everything from a really little age and they basically decided like there was no job that was too small you know like I could peel the apples I could weigh out the fruit and my granny used to have the really funky scales that you have to like put the weights on (laughs) so I've been baking for as long as I can remember yeah so what would you say for people who are worried for kids being around baking I would say as long as you teach whoever is baking alongside you little or big that you teach them about what's hot on the oven, where not to touch, how to use a tea towel 
to avoid cutting themselves. Like there's special safety knives that you can use and everything. There's lots of preventative measures. Like when I was baking with my grandma, I never cut myself. I never burnt myself. Normally I was seated and she was keeping a close eye on me, whether I had a knife or a peeler or what in my hands. So did you just see how the butter is starting to get a bit foamy? Yeah. And it's starting to get bigger. Looks very bubbly. And this is kind of where it'll start to caramelize. And it's like a game of risk. But you're not walking away from it and you're gonna keep whisking it and keeping it close on. So this is probably the hardest part of all the baking we're doing today. And it's just because it's hot butter, which is like hot fats and hot sugars are very dangerous. And do you see it's starting to change? It's a bit brown? Yeah. Yeah. So we're gonna turn that off. And then we're gonna use our tea towel and we're gonna pour it into a bowl. And then I'm gonna pop that bowl into the fridge for a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah, you can see it's really nutty. How do you know when your butter is done? There's different levels of toasted caramelized butter. You can go really cautious and careful and go until it just starts to go bubbly and fizzy and you can stop or you can go a little bit darker and as well, you'll kind of get a nuttier taste. So really you can't go wrong. It's how done you want your butter. Our brown butter is nice and room temperature. You don't want it to be cold because if it was cold, it'd be solid. We want it not to be hot so that we can touch it. And if you add hot butter to this recipe, your egg white will deflate. So we're going to whisk up the egg white. So does anyone know how to separate egg whites from egg yolks? No. That is all right. So it's kind of a skill in itself. We're going to use this bowl for our egg yolk that we're not keeping. But you can keep your egg yolks and use them for lemon curd or lots of other recipes. In this, we need 160 gram egg whites. We're going to crack our egg. So I cracked it on the side there and I only half cracked it. You're going to not fully open the egg and that's how we're going to get out our egg white come out. You're basically like playing as though they're two cups, okay? Yeah. Tilting back and forth. And it's really important when you're doing stuff with egg whites that you don't get egg yolk in. Because if you need a meringue, the fat from the egg yolk will kind of disturb it. It won't let it rise or puff up as nicely. So you're kind of using it like a little cup. So it's half cracked there. So what you want to do is push in there with your two thumbs, but you want to keep half of this egg upright. Yeah? Okay. And then tilt it into the other side. Really good. Oh, a little bit went. Oh. <laughs> you get really fast at catching it. And then one of the little tricks that you can do is you can use the eggshell to scoop up the egg yolk. That is about 30 grams of egg white per medium egg. And we need 160. So how many eggs is that in total? It'll kind of depend on the size of eggs you have. Could be anywhere from five eggs, six eggs, maybe eight eggs, but you need 160 grams of egg white. So depending on the size of the egg will depend on how much egg white you get. It is hard. It takes a lot of practice. And that's why it's really good if you're getting used to doing it, to do it into a separate bowl, so then you don't ruin, let's say, all of your egg whites. It's hard not to drop the egg yolk or break it. That's really good. Yeah, and you just have to be patient. Perfect. Being able to separate eggs into whites and yolks can be tricky at the start, but you'll master it in no time, and it's such a handy skill to have. For this recipe, we're using the whites, so you can use the yolks to make lemon curd. They also freeze really well, so you could keep them for another day. If you're ever making a recipe where you have egg whites left over, you can make meringues with them or add a bit extra into your omelets to make them super fluffy. Right, back to the kitchen to weigh out our dry ingredients. 
So we need to weigh out our demerara sugar and we need 255 grams. Do the two of you want to do this? Yeah. You want to keep an eye on the scales? You scoop out the sugar. All right. We're using demerara sugar because we want the crunchiness and kind of the caramel flavors that come out of demerara sugar. So we need to put six grams of sea salt in there. Good with that. Take a, take a pinch. So like that. But you can take big pinches. <laughs> so use like four fingers together and bring it closer to the bowl. So then you're less likely to drop it. That's really good. Perfect. And again, you can use fine salt or sea salt. I just really like sea salt for baking because it's actually, this is salt from Louth. It's basically made here in Ireland. So you can actually see like it's in salt crystals. It's like crunchy salt. Next, we need 85 grams of ground almonds. Wait, what is it? 85. 85. There we go. We are going to take our 70 grams of corn flour. Now, corn flour is very messy. Ooh, see? Look at that. Mess. It's like it's snowing inside. We have lots of different dry ingredients in here, and we want to mix them all up evenly. Do you want to do that? Yep. You don't want to see any lumps of corn flour. So you just want to see kind of this sandy, evenly coloured powder. Okay. Tara is about to move on to the busy part of this recipe. So before that, let's have a quick recap. We have our brown butter sitting in a bowl, living its best life at room temperature. Our egg whites are sitting in a separate bowl, oblivious to the fact that they're about to be whipped into shape. And our dry ingredients have all been mixed in together in another bowl until they are a lovely sandy colour. Okay, it's time to get whisking those egg whites on a medium speed. So I'm using a KitchenAid mixer. So I'm going to put on speed four. And what we're looking is for the egg whites to get fluffy, but when the whisk goes through, I don't want to see lines. I want to see a big puffy cloud. So I'm not trying to make a pavlova. I'm trying to make a soft meringue. Why do you use a machine instead of hand whisking? If I didn't have a mixer, I would do it by hand, but it would just take a very long time and I would have guns of steel. So like, it could take me like 20 minutes to do that. Whereas it'll probably take five minutes with the mixer. We use corn flour in this recipe. How is that different to wheat flour that other people use? So corn flour is traditionally used to thicken sauces and soups and gravies or your custard that goes with your apple crumble. But we're using it today to help kind of hold together the recipe. This recipe has ground almonds and brown sugar and it's basically held together with a meringue and the structure that we get from the egg whites. The corn flour is helping to give us that chewy fudgy center that kind of is nearly custardy in texture. how it was really clear before yeah. and now it's getting foamy and it's starting to get white and but this still kind of yellowy egg white color so we want it to get more foamy and more white but we don't want to see big firm lines when it gets really foamy because then that'll mean we've over mixed it what happens when you add sugar into egg whites so when you add sugar into egg whites it actually becomes more stable Normally they'll get really shiny and glossy and smooth. It adds a good structure to it and it makes it less likely to collapse. So we could collapse our egg whites today if we were too rough with it. Because right now, without sugar, it needs to be handled really delicately. The egg whites are starting to look like a big poop cloud. That's a fairly accurate description. So this is nearly looking like what we needed to. So I'm going to stop it and we can check it, all right? So I'm using the whisk from the machine to whisk it and check the texture of the meringue. The way I'm using the whisk is an okay way to stir it. You see the way it's a little bit floppy? 
that's kind of what we want. So you take it up and if it like wobbles, that's what we want. We don't want it to get any more firm than that. So we're gonna take all the meringue and put it into our big bowl with all our dry ingredients. I find it really handy to use a big bowl because it's harder to make a mess that way. It's not impossible, but it's just harder. This is kind of the folding stage. So I'll demonstrate and then you can try. It's really hard to fold meringue into a dry ingredient. So basically I'm going around from the outside with my spatula or a spoon. Don't ever use a fork. Don't use a whisk when you're folding because like the sides of it will cut through the air. So basically you're going around from the outside and folding in. Do you want to try to do that? Okay. And you'll see it does start to get a bit sticky and you'll see lumps and stuff. And that's how you know it's starting to fold into the meringue, all the dry ingredients. It's kind of a complex recipe. What would you say to kids who see a lot of ingredients in a recipe and feel a bit overwhelmed? I would say if you look at it and see, are there lots of the same type of recipe? So if it's like has four types of chocolate in it, just go, oh, there's, there's chocolate in it. Or if it had like two types of sugar, just go, oh, there's sugar. So put them into categories and I find it makes it seem a little bit less stressful or difficult. And sometimes recipes with lots of steps are actually better. I always do my recipes with lots of steps because then you're not left questioning anything. You know exactly what you're supposed to do at every point. If it has more detail, I think it's actually more useful. That's me personally. So that is perfect. Oh, and always check the bottom because you'll get caught out sometimes even in your mixer with little bits of stuff that didn't get whisked up or stirred. You can see how kind of it's nearly going flat like pancake batter. That's perfect. Yeah. And that means you still have air in it because you can see like there's bubbles and stuff. Yeah, see that. And now because we have almost all our dry ingredients mixed in, we're going to add in our brown butter. So you want to give it a stir before you mix it in because you want it evenly distributed into the, our liquid butter. So put all of that in. And this is a recipe that you have to make the night before or you have to make in the morning and then you can bake it later. So I like making stuff at night so then it's ready in the morning when I want to. So I'm just folding the butter through. So again, I'm going from the outside of the bowl into the middle and stirring. This requires a little bit of patience because you can't stir it really aggressively or really fast because then you'll knock all the air out that we worked really hard to build up in the mixer. Tara, why is it important that we follow the steps that we need? Why do we follow them in the order that they're written in the recipe? It's the same as getting dressed in the morning. You have to put your socks on first, don't you? And then your shoes, yeah. So if I didn't preheat my oven, when I put my stuff in, it wouldn't cook right. So I need my oven hot so that my cake will rise. And I need my butter melted along with my chocolate so that I can add in my eggs and my sugar. So the steps are kind of there and like when you're going to bed and you're going to brush your teeth, you're going to get into pajamas and you're going to go to bed. But you're not going to brush your teeth in bed. It's the only way you can. And it's to get the result you want. We have to put this in the fridge now, this mix. And we have to let it rest for at least eight hours, which requires a lot of patience, but it's actually ideal because if you were to go to bed, be ready in the morning and then you could bake them for the morning and then you can have them at 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock depending on your parents <laughs> so now that our batter is ready grease your bun tins fill each one just below the edge then pop the tray into the oven for 12 to 15 minutes until they look nice and golden and lightly risen in fact if we go to the kitchen i'm pretty sure they're just about ready so when you take the brown butter cakes out of the oven, they're really hot. You leave them in the tin, you don't take them out, but you put them on a cooling rack, the whole tin. 
and sometimes the bottom might stick because it's got brown sugar in it so it goes kind of caramel but you have to take the sides and twist it so that it doesn't stick and that'll just mean when you go to demold it onto the rack that it will not stick and it won't break your heart you just have to give them a little spin like it's a wheel and you're turning it around now it's time for the most important part of the day the taste test it looks crispy on the outside but like a cake on the inside the top of it is golden brown the inside is delicious oh seven. it smells like caramel ready to taste it Tastes like brown butter. Cake. It's sweet, but there's a little bit more loveliness. The outside is chewy and the inside is moist and crumbly. I was going to give it a mark out of 10. I would hope I would be able to go up to 100. Top Top marks! Of course you can give it 100, Rosa. Sometimes 10 just isn't enough. I haven't made these yet, but I'm heading straight home to get the batter mixed and I'll pop them in the oven first thing tomorrow. Someone's going to be popular at break time. Brown butter cakes are properly sophisticated. They involve lots of serious chefy skills, like separating eggs, browning butter and mixing egg whites. Simon and Rosa absolutely nailed them with the help of Tara. So if you give them a roll, it would be a good idea to have an adult there to help. As always, let me know how you get on. Just pop me an email at junior.orte.ie. You can even send me some of your recipe ideas. You can find all of our recipes at orte.ie slash kids. What's for Dinner is presented by me, Flora Flanagan. Our banging original theme tune is by Hugh Fowler. Production on this episode was by Janie Lanagan and Nikki Coughlin. 